Hello everybody, welcome to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a series we're doing called You Have the Words, You Have the Words of Life. Um, this uh, series comes out of uh, uh, a, you know, a conversation that Jesus has with Simon Peter uh, right after a very difficult teaching that Jesus does. Everybody is gone except the disciples. He looks at the disciples and says, are you going to go too? And their response, Simon Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so what we're doing in this series is we're taking some time to look at some of the amazing things that Jesus has said. And my hope is that from that, it's sort of, a, I think it's a helpful devotional sort of a tool um, to take a passage of scripture or something that Jesus says or, you know, one, one sort of a scripture and to think about it over the course of a week, say. And to really ask God to help you use your holy imagination to consider what's going on, to, uh, to think about what it would have been like to be in that encounter, to think, uh, you know, often we're dealing with the disciples right now. What were the disciples thinking? What was the crowd thinking? You know, where, where was Jesus coming from? What, what was going on? And so what we're doing is we're looking at some things that Jesus said, and I'm sort of working through that process with you kind of um, thinking about it and then encouraging you to, to take a week uh, the following week and think about those things as well let me get a sip of water so so far um, we, we looked when we started like at a great question Jesus asked what do you want he says to a couple of John the Baptist disciples to start to follow him and I think what a great question that is you know, the creator of the universe. We just have been introduced to him in John 1 as the one who spoke everything into being. And he turns around and looks at these guys, what do you want? And they're not sure what to, I don't think their response, you know, I, thought they, I think they come up with better ones later because all they asked was where are you staying? But I, I believe that he asks us what do we want and that, that we, we get to sort of think through that over the course of our walk and lives with him and that where we begin to find life really with him is when we, we get to the spot where we just say, Lord, I just want what you want. And and so we've looked at questions like that. We, we've talked about the presence of God, what it means to be born again, worshiping in spirit and truth. Do you want to get well? One of my favorite encounters. Last week we looked at the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus you know, asking a question to test them, to make them think, where can we buy bread for these people? And really looking at um, you know, trusting in the Lord and, and being willing to give to Him uh, and knowing that He will always take care of us in the process. Today I want to look at something Jesus says that sort of impacts the way that we look at things or our perspective on life. And so we'll dig into that in a moment. You know, that's the intro. Transition, I always try and tell a bad joke, and that's, that's not going to be hard today, I don't think. So this little guy, Jonathan, he's a pastor's son. Um, he's very young. He, he says, hey, Daddy, I notice every Sunday when you climb into the pulpit to give your sermon, you... You bow your head for a moment. What are you doing? And the father said, well, I'm asking the Lord to give me a good sermon. Little Jonathan inquired, well, then why doesn't he? I can relate to that. It's another little guy, little, little father's reading Bible stories to his son. And he reads, uh, the man named Lot was warned to take his wife and flee out of the city. But his wife looked back and was turned to salt. And his little son, his son says, hey, what happened to the flea? So the lot, well, lot was warned to take his wife and flee out of the city. Uh, I should have stuck with the first one, probably. Yeah. Just left this one alone. All right, let's hop into the scripture reading. I can blame all of those on the fact that I'm not feeling 100%, and that's okay. John chapter 7, verse 21 through 24. Jesus said to them, 
I did one miracle and you're all astonished. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses but from the patriarch, you circumcise a child on the Sabbath. Now if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. That's what I want to talk about this week, that verse 24. Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Now this uh, sort of ties into the story we looked at a couple of weeks ago in John 5. Um, the man by the pool of Bethesda, when Jesus heals him, it's on the Sabbath day. And uh, the religious leaders, aren't, they don't even care about the fact that this guy who'd been sick for 38 years is now healed. They're upset about the fact that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And this sort of becomes their, their big problem throughout um, that whole process. And Jesus actually looks at them and says, but if you had a child who was born so that the eighth day hit the Sabbath, you would circumcise him in order to follow Moses' law, which they would do. And he's saying, I can't believe you're this stuck that you wouldn't let someone be healed on the Sabbath. You're missing the point. That's his whole sort of uh, a picture of what's going on with them. But they refuse to see that. But those are amazing, amazing words, I think. Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. And the reason I think it's so important is I, I would say that most of us have a tendency to judge based on appearance. Uh, and God wants us to move past that. I think of it as moving off of the surface and into the deeper things of life and really looking at things differently the way that he does. So first thing I want to talk about is this and why this is so important. Point one, I know it's a lot for you to fill in, but, but there you go. We live in a grumpy, fearful, discouraged, and critical world. We live in a grumpy, fearful discouraged and critical world. I'm, I'm, I believe um, that ex really explains the world pretty well today. Uh, Jesus said, you know, he even said that's kind of what the world will look like in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The world gives the opposite of peace. Um, and, and I think primarily they, they promote fear and it comes out in the idea of people feeling grumpy and fearful and discouraged and critical. Um, that this is, is something that sort of we're, we're bombarded by um, from all sorts of avenues, particularly um, you know, television and, and sort of 24-hour news channels and um, all sorts of other avenues that the news that we receive is, is primarily bad news. Um, and not only is it bad news, in order to fill time slots, they figure out how to make it worse than it even really is. So it's not enough for them just to tell you that something bad happened. Now they need analysts to come in and tell you why you should be horrendously afraid about this and, and lots of different aspects. And it tends to really um, <clears throat> impact us in the way that we think. I think it makes us, uh, um, it's one of the things that, that sort of contributes to being grumpy. Um, being discouraged, being extremely critical in the world around us. Uh, and uh, I think we, we, we're, we, we withdraw because of it. We become isolated. We don't trust very well any longer. And um, we're, we're primarily discouraged. It, it's not like the, the world, you know, gives us a lot of encouragement or encouraging things to think about. And yet, living in a discouraged way really um, causes us not to be able to handle life's challenges very effectively. It causes us to be dysfunctional. It causes us to be fearful. 
Um, it makes us feel like we, we need to withdraw, we need to isolate, we sort of think, I just can't take it anymore because it's so much. We're, we're, we're bombarded so much by these things around us. And I also think that it attributes uh, a lot to the reason that we, we sort of make judgments based on appearances instead of th- seeing things the way that God does. And so our perspective has been act- impacted by the discouragement and fear of our culture. So it's very hard for us to look beneath the surface um, because of all the stuff that we're hit with all the time. We tend to make quick judgments based on how things look and appear. And, um, and it's, it's very difficult to live that way. There's not a whole lot of hope in living that way. Um, it, it causes people to not care about other people um, because we, we just sort of pull into this place where, you know, well, we just got to take care of ourselves and we miss the bigger picture of what's going on around us. Um, because we, we, we talked about this last week. We, we don't keep God in the equation enough in the things of our lives. And we, we tend to just sort of um, react to the things that we hear very quickly because we're hit with so many bad things all the time. But this is something that you, you really need to know. And this is point number two. You have to remember all the time. God is not the God of discouragement. He is the God of all encouragement. He is the God of all encouragement. It says that in 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. That word comfort there is the same word for encourage. Um, it's just translated comfort in, in the NIV, but it's actually the word encourage. He's the God of all encouragement. It's parakaleo, to come alongside and comfort. It's also the, the name for the Holy Spirit, comforter. It's the same Greek word. It's the word that's used there. He's the God of all comfort. He's the God of all encouragement. God wants us, uh, he wants to encourage us so that we can encourage others. And, and he encourages us so that we don't have to live the way the world around us lives. He doesn't want us to be a bunch of grumpy people. He doesn't want us to be a bunch of fearful people. He doesn't want us to be a critical people, a withdrawn people, a judgmental people, an isolated people. And, and unfortunately, we can become that very quickly. We can take all this stuff from the culture, and, and it be, because we, we have found you know, Jesus and one another, if we're not careful, we'll just sort of withdraw into ourselves because it's safer in here, and we'll, we'll sort of forget about the world around us, or we'll think that you know, that's, that's really dangerous out there, we need to stay here, and yet that's not where we find life. We're called to care about the world around us. So he wants to encourage us, so that we know and remember that God is the one who provides spiritual power that equips us to handle the difficulties that come our way. See, he wants us not to, not to hide, not to run away, not to avoid, but to understand that he's with us and that we can deal with life differently because he's with us. 2 Timothy 1.7 God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Luke one thirty seven. we touched on this last week. For nothing is impossible with God. Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. See, we have to hold into balance the ideas of who God is and, and how much that matters in our lives. And, and that when something happens um, that will set us all on edge, we have, to, we have to remember that God is still in control. That, that God isn't pacing heaven, you know, saying, I didn't see that happening. God's in charge. God's in control. God's got us. He's with us. He's for us. The world is broken. 
there's no doubt about that it's fallen horrendous things happen in the world around us because of sin uh, and the consequences of sin but God is still God and he always will be God and as his followers we can trust in him and it and it should cause us to look at the world differently we don't have to be afraid the way the world around us is afraid so that when something happens that that sort of unsettles everyone in the world we don't have to follow suit because God is still going to be God no matter what takes place he's still God and we can find hope there and and, and we can find courage there and and that's where we need to rest and so we need to remember these things he didn't give us a spirit of fear so we don't need to be afraid he gave us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline that nothing's impossible with God God can God can remedy things that we can't even imagine and that we can do everything through him who gives us strength so um, I just want to be looking at this this way you know that Jesus said that, that that was fascinating stop judging by mere appearances make a right judgment so we want to move past the way of looking at things the way the world does begin to see things more like God does and and then from that learn to make right judgments and that's uh, point number three making right judgments that means seeing things rightly like he does um, I've called this in the past and like this term because it helps me um, that that's about getting a throne room perspective um, uh, that that we need to see things from the throne room of God the way that God does instead of from a very narrow perspective often a very selfish perspective but but we need to you know get out of that and begin to see things the way that he does in our lives Ephesians 1 18 through 20 Paul said this I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised them from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms so so this is a this is a huge um, passage the Apostle Paul writes he, he's saying this that the eyes of our hearts can be open so, so that means we can begin to see things differently not just with our natural eyes but we can begin to get some spiritual sight into things around us and he says there's several things that, that the eyes of our heart can open us up to um, that we can always know the hope that he's called us to we can know the riches of his glorious inheritance we can know the power that is at work in those of us who believe which is the same power that was at work when Jesus raised was raised from the dead and and uh, and seated uh, him in the heavenly realms at the right hand of the Father and that he has covered us for his eternity so 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 no matter what's going on we can always know the hope to which he's called us to the hope of life with him forever that he's always with us and for us we can know the riches of his glorious inheritance that that you know he's got us now he always will have us a time is coming when all of the suffering and the pain and and all the trials and all those things will be done forever we can know the power even now um, that that's at work within us the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit dwells in us he's here to help us through each and every situation and, and that that he's got us forever having that in balance in the way that you look at things will change the way that you look at things because we have a tendency again to look at things very in a very temporal way in a very sort of um, cultural way and it's very easy to buy into the fear and the hype that's all around us but we don't need to 
because what we can have is a throne room perspective. And a throne room perspective gives us a completely different way of looking at things that happen around us. Uh, and, and, and actually what happens is that problems actually become opportunities for God to move. It's a totally different way to look at a problem. When you begin to go, well, that's a big problem, and you can go, well, that, well God's going to have to do something about that because I, I got nothing. And it's an opportunity at that point for God to, to move into it. Um, worry and fear can actually be moved into faith and peace. And, and we can have hope in situations knowing that he's with us and for us. And, and that our confidence in all these things is in Christ. Paul says this in Ephesians 2, verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we've been seated with him in the heavenly realms so we can share in his throne room perspective. And you need to know that that's now. That's not something that's coming We've already, in Christ, we're already seated um, at the throne room. We, we already have access to this perspective that I'm talking about. It's possible as the Holy Spirit dwelling in, and living in us helps us. Uh, and that, that when Paul prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened and opened, he was saying that we would understand and, and know that we already have a different life because of who we are in Him, that we can have a totally different way of looking at things, and that part of life is beginning to look at things differently, the way that He does. And, and, and so Jesus, you know, words to us, stop judging by mere appearances and start making right judgments are so important for us to get a hold of, to, to take things from, from the sort of very surface way that we tend to look at things and, and look at a deeper level, to begin to really look for what God is doing in the world around us, to, to begin to try and um, understand how God will use things that, that tend to upset the world around us and actually use them to make opportunities for Him to move. That God is, is amazing about bringing life into situations that, that appear like death. He's done it over and over again. He did it at the cross. Um, he took a situation that looked bad and made it uh, very good. So we have to be aware that, that God is able to do these things. and, and um, and help that to sort of make um, right judgments, to look at the world the way that he does, to, to look at um, circumstances the way that he does, and, and to break free from the trap of being fearful and grumpy and discouraged, um, but to be the people of hope and faith and peace that he's called us to. So I, I think, you know, if you can, I would consider that this week. Think about what that was like. Think, think in this encounter, you know, um, the, these people that are stuck, and the way that they're, they're looking at God and Jesus is, is coming to try and help them be set free, but they refuse and they're just nitpicking the things that they don't like about Jesus and missing the bigger picture altogether. And his call to them, look, quit, quit just judging on, on appearance, on mere appearance. Start making right judgments. Check into what God's doing. See what God's up to. And, and let that be what helps you to see the world around you and uh, to, to figure out how you're going to live this life for him. So that's all I wanted to say this week. Um, I spent some time thinking about that statement and what that means to you. If you're watching my TV or video, thank you for doing that. We appreciate you taking the time to do that. We'd love for you to visit us here sometime. If you need prayer, you can go to our website, and there's a place for prayer there. And uh, we will see you soon. God bless you.